draw your attention to verse 5 of Matthew chapter 28. It says, And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. And notice these three words, As he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay. Now what's interesting about this here is nobody was coming there to look for Jesus alive at his resurrection. They were coming there looking for the dead. In one account of the gospel, it said, why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here for he is risen, as he said. And the truth is, they weren't there seeking the living among the dead. They were actually seeking the dead. But the thing is, this angel's it's like they didn't get it. It's like it didn't compute with them. Why did you not believe the words of Jesus? Remember how what he said when he was yet in Galilee, how he said he was going to be delivered in the hands of sinful men. And three days later, he was going to rise from the dead. So the angels, it's almost like the angels not getting the fact that now these people are actually seeking the dead because they didn't have very much faith. You know, they did not understand the words. And it turned out that exactly as Jesus said you know, was exactly what he said was going to happen is what, in fact, came to happen. What I'm doing tonight, I'm continuing. This will be the final message I'm going to do on this uh, subject of historicism versus futurism. And last week, uh, or two weeks ago, we talked about dual fulfillments in prophecy. And that's something that the historicist crowd does not get. They completely ignore. They don't understand. And this, uh, a lot of what we're going to cover here, it kind of picks up where some of that left off. And the title of this message kind of has a long title, but it's called, If It Came to Pass, Then Why Is It Coming to Pass? Okay? And now what do I mean by that? They try to tell us that all the prophecies have already come to pass. The problem is, those prophecies did not, that they say came to pass, are not just like what we see in the scriptures. In fact, there's huge differences. And so then they try to spiritualize everything, and, but, while at the same time, we are seeing everything fall in place for prophecy to be fulfilled exactly as he said. Which is usually what would happen in the Bible. And I'm going to show you some examples in the Bible where God would prophesy something. People would look at the, their surroundings, they'd look at the situation and they would have this attitude, well, that's impossible. The Lord must have meant something else. And then it's like they try to help God's prophecy come to pass. And then turns out that they were wrong in what they were doing and God's prophecy ended up coming to pass exactly as he said. And so I don't know. And I'm just speculating. I don't know what the disciples were thinking because Jesus did tell them several times. I'm going to die three days later. I'm going to rise from the dead. So where were they at the resurrection? They were probably getting together their excuse and trying to figure out they were having like the first annual preterist convention trying to figure out all right, how can we make the resurrection, you know, spiritual Rather than literal. Because, I mean, boy, Jesus is dead. You know, we're in trouble now. Things look really bad. But, you know, the truth is, just hold on. Hang on. Just as Jesus said these things were going to come to pass, they're going to come to pass. And they should have just been waiting and ready for them. But, you know, it's like everybody's got to try to find some way around things. I mean, prophecies about the resurrection. You can see it in the book of Job. Job talked about the resurrection. Yet you had the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection. Why is that? They had just found a way to, you know, they just, you know, came up with a prior weird interpretation of it. You've got people out there today who still don't believe in the literal resurrection. They've just taken all these passages about literal things and they've spiritualized them, not realizing that, you know, 
God doesn't need you to help him not look like a liar to the world. Okay? And the world's always going to think the Bible's a fraud and that God is a liar. But the truth is, what God says is going to happen is going to happen. And these things that they want to say came to pass, they did not come to pass. But yet we see these things coming to pass in our own day. And the truth is, these a lot of the things we're going to look at, and obviously we're not going to cover everything that could be covered tonight. The, you know, one of the things these people like to do, and this pretty much everybody who teaches false doctrine, one thing they like to do is they like to go to church fathers. They like to go to the Reformation. You know, they think older means more true. And that what they will do, they will go back and try to read some ancient commentary on end times. And then they'll think, well, this is really old, so therefore it must be right. Because it's closer to the time of Christ. Even though during the apostles' days, they were fighting false doctrine. Even though they were fighting preterism during Paul's day. Timonaeus and uh, you know, guys like him teaching that the resurrection is past and overthrowing the faith of some. They were already dealing with that stuff back then. But understand... Those old timers, there are things that the Bible prophesied that they were not capable of understanding. Yet we are capable of it today. And so as it turns out, you know, and we're going to see as we go through this message, it's really kind of foolish to go back to the old days to figure out how to interpret the Bible. Things are actually more clear today. And we're seeing that just as God said things were going to happen is how they're going to happen. Because we're watching it come to pass right now. But let's go ahead and look at a few examples of what I'm talking about. Um, of people who tried to help God out. Because it was looking like God's prophecy wasn't going to come true. And so Genesis chapter 15. Let's start there in Genesis chapter 15 with Abraham. Uh, this is a great example of somebody who's trying to help the Lord look good. In a situation where it looked like the pro what God had prophesied wasn't going to come to pass. Verse 1 says, After these things the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, wilt thou give me, or what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in mine house is mine heir. And remember, before this, God had told Abraham, I'm going to multiply your seed. So now God's talking to Abram, and he's saying, Lord, you know, what are you going to give me? I don't have any children. I've just got this servant, Eliezer of Damascus, you know, but I don't have an heir that is physically from me. And it says, and he brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven. Tell the stars that thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, so shall thy seed be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. So right here, Abraham believes God. He believes him when he tells that. And Abraham uh, it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Now let's go to chapter 16. Look what it says in verse 1. Because time is now passing. All right. Time is now passing. It says, And Sarai, Abraham's wife, bare him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dealt, dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. Now, why did she do this? Because we have all these years that have passed, 
And God's prophecy has not come to pass yet. And Abram and Sarah, they're looking on each other and they're like, you know what? The clock's ticking. Sarah's like, you know, it's too late for me to have any children. You know, and why would Sarah be so interested in this? Because they're trying to help God's prophecy come true. And so he said, go into my handmaid, Hagar, and I will give you children by her. Now, is that how that works? Okay. Does that count? No, it does not count. That's not right. They're trying to help God's prophecy out. Because, yes, according to man, according, or according to nature, science, everything, it's too late. It's too late. But did God accept that? No, he, no, he didn't. Look what it says in chapter 17 in verse 15. It says, And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. You know, hey, Lord, we, we helped you out with this prophecy. You know, I went and had a child by Hagar. But God said, no, I'm going to do it by Sarah. I'm going to do it by her. That, that's impossible when he's 100 and she's 90. But you all know the end of the story. What happened? Abraham had a son by Sarah, just as God said. And it was through Isaac that God ended up calling a seed. And, you know, and we today, we are of Isaac, spiritually speaking. We are a part of that fulfillment of prophecy. So interestingly enough, God ended up fulfilling his prophecy as he said. He didn't need a substitute. He didn't need them to help. God was able to take care of it, and God performed a miracle, and he opened Sarah's womb at 90. God promised Abraham a son. Abraham believed God. The clock started ticking. It went past the time. Okay? It went past the time that Abraham figured things would happen. And Abraham and Sarah, they figured we'll help, we'll find another way to make God right, since in their minds, he was wrong. But was God wrong? No, God was not wrong. And so their way didn't work, and God ends up doing things the way he said he would. Now, this is basically the same thing that we're seeing going on with, you know, when it comes to the rapture. Okay, first off, we've got all these clowns throughout history that have predicted the rapture. You know, you have guys like Ruckman and Wisenet and all, all, all these people, and, you know, Harold Camping, all these clowns, all these nut jobs, all these false prophets that have been just predicting the coming of Christ, you know, or predicting the rapture. And one of the things that they all do is they change how to interpret the scriptures, you know, because in their minds, you know, God was wrong because he didn't do things the way they thought he would. Because why did they think the Lord was going to come back in 1988 so much? Well, it was because the fig tree budded in 1948 when Israel became a nation again. But here's the problem. That wasn't the budding of the fig tree. You know, that was just that was just a major step forward in the rise of the Antichrist system. That's all that was. But these people, they had it in their mind. They're like, this has all got to happen. It's all got to happen. Brian Sharp's still saying, you know, the Lord's got to come back. You know, this generation shall not pass. Till all these things be fulfilled. In other words, the generation that sees the budding of the fig tree in 1948. 
That's the kind of junk that he's saying. And I wish he'd stop because I think the Lord's going to wait until that whole generation dies off just because of Brian Sharp, in my opinion. And so now we've got several years left. That's, don't predict the rapture. Robert Breaker already has got a video up. 2020, could that be the year of the rapture? Shut up. Hey, any, I mean, that guy is such a clown. Looks like a chipmunk. And just, and that's the best thing I can say about him right there. Just, and, and anybody who still follows that clown is an idiot. After all the times he's predicted the rapture, that is ridiculous that they would do that. And, but what do all these people do? They're constantly trying to manipulate the scriptures because it's like, you know, we know that this is what God wants to do. And so it's like, but it's not happening like we said. So we've got to help make God right. And then they just twist the scriptures. But here's the problem. You're just wrong on what you're thinking from the beginning. You know, you're just, you're off in so many areas. God doesn't need your help when it comes to prophecy coming true. The Bible only needs to agree with itself. It doesn't need to agree with Clarence Larkin's dispensational truth. It doesn't need to agree with all your charts that you've made and your Ruckman drawings and things like that. It doesn't have to agree with that stuff. Y'all are just wrong on all that. And Abraham, he did. In his mind, when God gave him this prophecy, he said, in his mind, this is how it's got to happen. And when it didn't happen, how he thought it should happen, he came up with another solution thinking this is God's will. And you know what? It wasn't. God, and God went and ended up doing things exactly as he said he would in a way that blew their mind in a, in a way that was a miracle. Another example, too, turn over to John chapter 11. Now, I very well could be interpreting some of this passage here wrong. I'll just admit it right now. But I like how I interpret it. I think it preaches real good. Right. I might be getting this wrong, but this will preach right here. But. but look what it says in verse 21. It says, Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Now, I personally don't think she answered the question right there. No, he, he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Your, your brother's going to rise again. You know, Martha, do you believe? I believe you're the Christ. But wait, no, I get that. You know, do you believe your brother's going to rise again? I think that's what he's saying right there. But what, what's she doing right here? Obviously, she can't say, no, Lord, I don't believe you. Okay? Nobody's going to do that. You know, nobody's, and we, we talked about that a little bit this morning. Nobody's just going to come out and say, no, I don't believe you. So what does she do? She answers a question that Jesus didn't answer. You know, she's trying to change the subject, trying to help him out. Okay? Because... He's just said, your brother's going to rise again. Now, it's pretty clear that he's saying, this is going to happen right now. But yet, you can't raise people from the dead. You know, that's impossible right there. So what does she do? Well, yeah, in the resurrection of the last day. Let me spiritualize what you're saying, or let me put it for somewhere else in another time, trying to help Jesus out. But what did Jesus do? Jesus went over there, and he raised Lazarus from the dead, 
just as he said he would. So, again, a lot of people who are well-meaning, they often look at things that it looks like, man, things aren't coming to pass. God's word is not coming true like he said he would. Let's figure, let's, let's change things. Let's change the message. Let's change how we interpret these things, you know, to make it look better. Or let's even change the scriptures themselves. You know, because, you know, we know God was wrong about Leviticus 2013. You know, we know God was wrong, but, you know, so let, you know, let's just change the word of God. But then, you know what, you always find out later, no, God was actually right. It was actually just as he said. And so that, I think that's another example. You know, the, the resurrection of Jesus, you know, they said he's risen as he said. Um, Acts chapter one, turn over to Acts chapter one and verse 10. I think this is another Good example. It says, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Now, I'm just going to say right now, preterists do not believe this verse right here. But look at this verse. Which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Now, what did that verse say? Now, when Jesus went to heaven, it was physically him. And they physically saw him ascend up into the clouds and the cloud received him out of their sight. The angel said, this same Jesus, okay, not a spiritual Jesus, not an image. No, Jesus himself or the Lord himself should ascend from heaven. Okay, the same Jesus was just taken from you will so come again in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. You know what that means? The same way he left is the same way he's coming back. He's coming back physically. He's coming back visibly. And every eye shall see him. The preterists do not believe that. That is not what they believe. That is not what they teach. They do not teach that that ever happened. What they teach about is just a bunch of chariots running around in the clouds where nothing happened. That's not the way Jesus went up into heaven. And that's not the way the Bible said he's going to come back. He is going to come back in like manner. He is going to do what he said he was going to do. And if they want, if they want to think that that vision in the clouds was something, fine, I'll give it to them. That was something, but that wasn't what Jesus... Jesus said it was going to happen. That's not what the angel said was going to happen here in Acts chapter 1. And listen, Jesus Christ is going to come back just like he said. The things that are prophesied in the Bible are going to happen as the Bible teaches. And so often when people study things in the scripture today, they do. They think the farther back in church history you go, the more likely you are to find the correct interpretation. That's foolish. The Apostle Paul fighting false doctrines, some of the same false doctrines that we're fighting today. Do you know that we're never going to defeat, completely defeat the work salvation crowd? They're always going to be around. They've been around since Cain. And they have always been here, and they will be here until they are all cast into hell by Jesus. That's, that's not going to change. We're going to keep fighting these people. We're going to keep fighting you know, the fake spirits, the fake Jesuses that are out there. We're going to keep on fighting. It's not going to go away. Things like modalism is never going to go away. The tongue talkers are never going to go away. The Hebrew roots junk's never going to go away. These things are never going to go away. They've always been around. We're just going to keep on, you know, preaching the truth to as many people as we can. So when it comes to the study of end times, 
you know, this is something that I believe will be more clear as we get closer. I believe that fits in with what he what it says in Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves, the manner of some is, but so much the more, but exhorting one another, so much the more as you see the day approaching. There's going to come a time when we're going to tell, man, it's got to be getting close because it now actually looks like what is prophesied is possible that it could happen. Because some things that were prophesied even 50 years ago would be impossible to happen. But in our day, with our technology, with what we have today, these things are now possible to be fulfilled as he said. And we're going we're to look at those examples here. So the previous generation, they could not have comprehended these things. And so I, I don't think we need to be too hard on them. I don't think you need to be too hard on the old timers or even the reformers who didn't understand these things, because I think we can say today that the problem was they were trying to make everything fit in their current situation in their day. You know what they were trying to do? They were trying to help God out. All right, when the Lord's talking about some of these things, you know, this is it's impossible. So, you know, well, we know God's true. You know, I know He's going to rise in the resurrection at the last day. You know, they didn't want to just, nobody was going to just get up and say, it's impossible for this prophecy to be fulfilled. There is no way on this earth that these things can happen. So what did they do? They tried to spiritualize it. They tried to explain it away. But today, you and I can see that these things are coming to pass. And there's a reason for that. It's because they have not already come to pass. Okay? So let's look at a few examples of these things, specifically from the book of Revelation. So turn over to chapter 6, Revelation chapter 6, and let's look at some things that Revelation prophesied that previous generations could not have possibly comprehended, but we can comprehend these things today. It says in verse 1, it says, And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard as it were the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts say, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another, and there were given unto him a great sword. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny. And three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked and behold a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was death. And hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. Now, folks, I've never heard any of these people give an example of when this happened in history. When a fourth of the world died. I, I don't see that anywhere. And so, you know, there's not, nothing in history that, even, you know, there's nothing in history that resembles this that we see here. No, there's no time in history where we can see one man that could have taken over the entire earth. Do you realize how long it took back in the day, even when, you know, these guys did go and conquer the known world at that time? It took years for them to do that. It would take it would literally back then it would have taken years and years to take over the world. But it wouldn't take that long to take over the world now, would it? 
I mean, all Israel would have to do to take over the world is to get their favorite whore, Babylon, the United States of America, who's got their military bases all over this world, to go do all their dirty work for them. And man, we could take over the world if we wanted to. We pretty much have. It wouldn't take that long for the Antichrist and, and the United States to just make an alliance and, I mean, literally take over the world. And then eventually, once the Antichrist has had his way with the United States, we get wiped out. You know, and thankfully we won't be here when the big wipeout day comes for the United States. But this could not have happened. Nobody could have taken over the world in that short period of time like we can today. But we can do that today. So the truth is, back in the day when the scholars are looking at these things, they're going to be trying to, they're going to be coming up with different solutions. There's no way these things are going to fit in a three and a half year period. This is impossible. Everyone who's taken over the world before, you know, it took years and years for these things to take place. There's no way this could all be done in that short a period of time by one leader ruling over the whole world. That couldn't happen. Killing the fourth part of the world like that. None of these things could have happened, but you know what? They could definitely happen today. We're seeing everything get set up for that to come to pass, just as Jesus said. So that's one example. I, I, I get why the previous generations didn't understand this. But we see the day approaching, don't we? And why do we see the day approaching? Because we're seeing these things all in place. We're seeing these things come to pass. Just like the Bible says, because the book of Revelation is not finished. It did not get finished in 70 AD. It's getting, everything's getting set up for it right now. That's what we're seeing go on. Look at what it says in chapter 11. Another thing, uh, another example of something that they could not have possibly understood in the previous generations, but we can understand this now. The, the whole world seeing the two witnesses. It says in verse 1, And there was given unto me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which was without the temple leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles in the holy city shall they tread under foot forty and two months. And I will give power over my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand and two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. Now, I've not read anything in history that resembles that at all. I've never read anything in history that said it has Moses and Elijah coming back. Well, that's, that's a reference to the law and the prophets, spiritually speaking. Moses representing the law, Elijah representing the prophets. Well, you know what? I actually think it's going to happen as Jesus said. I think it's going to be Moses and Elijah. Well, that fire coming out of their mouth, you know, that fire is just, you know, the power of the word of God, you know, blah, blah, blah. That. You know, I think it's going to be fire coming out of their mouth. That's what I think. I think they're going to be causing it that it's not going to rain for a space of three and a half years, kind of like Elijah did before, literally. Plagues coming up. I think Moses is going to be causing some plagues to come up like he did in Egypt. I think these things are going to happen just as the Bible said. And so it says in verse 7, When they have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Now, when did the beast kill the law and the prophets? I thought heaven and earth were going to pass before one jot or one tittle of the law was gone, not fulfilled. But you know what? We still have it, don't we? 
So it's the beast isn't killing the law and the prophets. The beast is killing Moses and Elijah. That, that's who he's killing. And it says, and their dead bodies shall lie in the street of that great city, which spiritually is called the holy city to the stinking Zionists. But Bible calls Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And they of the people and the kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. Now, how is the whole world going to see their bodies lying in the streets for three and a half days? How is the whole world going to do that? What do you think the old timers did with that passage? I don't even know what they did with that passage. But I guarantee you they didn't take it literal. But what do we do with that passage? Hey, it's called live streaming. It's called the news. We can all see these things. You know, the, in the Left Behind books, they've got the two witnesses doing their thing at the Wailing Wall. Did you know you can go right now and you can watch live streams at, at the Wailing Wall? You can go there right now. You can watch Jews banging their head against the wall. You can watch Baptists going there and praying to the wall right now, sticking their prayers in a wall. You'll see, you know, Pastor Rick Bevins from Moline going over there and taking his church over there to go stick the prayers in the wall so they can get their prayers answered. Yeah, Baptist preacher preaching. You got to go to a wall to get your prayers answered. That's the kind of that's the kind of junk you're going to see. You go on that webcam and watch that. You'll see the Baptists praying to the wall. You'll see the Catholics praying to that wall. You'll see everybody praying to that wall together. Zionism messes people up greatly, folks. It is amazing what that has done to just suck the brains out of Baptists. They're just adoration for Israel. I was listening to a preacher this morning preaching about how replacement theology is bad theology. Well, it's funny because it's your theology that causes Baptist people to go pray to the stinking wall. Replacement theology doesn't have anybody going. Because you see, our, in our replacement theology, we believe that the temple has been replaced and it, with our body. And we believe God dwells inside of us. And so we don't have to go to a stinking wall to pray. We can pray wherever we're at. You know, that's what replacement theology teaches. You know, replacement theology, it doesn't get all focused on a race of people. It just focuses on the souls of men and just wants to get the gospel to everybody. But these people, they do. They just want to worship and they just want to give adoration to a people, to an ethnicity. It's, it's horrible what, what people are doing with this stuff. But that's what Zionism does. That's what happens when you're going to go and get up and you're going to preach a whole stinking message just based on right out of Schofield's notes. And not use any Bible, build straw man arguments. It's just ridiculous the kind of junk that goes on. But, folks, the previous generation, they never could have understood this. Uh, where did I leave off? Verse 10, I think we're at. It says, They that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entereth into them and they stood upon their feet and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud and their enemies beheld them. There's nothing like that in history. And I don't know what the preterists do with that passage in particular. I mean, it would be an interesting... I don't know what they do with a lot of the passages in Revelation. But I guarantee you they don't take it literal. But Pastor yeah, how do you think it's going to happen? I think it's going to happen just like God said. Yeah, but you know, I was reading I was reading John Calvin. And I was reading Martin Luther. I was reading these reformers. And they had a completely different take on it. You know, they found a way to spiritualize it. Well, that's what they would have had to do. Because how in the world are they going to comprehend the whole world seeing these things? But it's not a problem for us. 
As it turns out, as we see the day approaching, it looks like that it is very possible that that could happen exactly as the Bible says. Isn't that interesting the way these things tend to work out? So look at what it says in chapter 13 of Revelation chapter 11. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon, and he exerciseth power, all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image of the beast which had a wound by a sword and did live. Now, let me stop here for a minute because the preterists teach that you know, Nero was basically the Antichrist. There's no records of Nero doing any miracles. Okay? Now, I believe it was, it was one of the emperors before him did put his image in the temple. Okay? But there's no evidence of him giving life to that image. You know, there's no image of that, that guy doing any miracles. Where was the false prophet during that time? Getting the whole world to do these things. You know, there, there's nothing, I mean, there, there's nothing in history there that resembles this, but yet they've decided that the number of name they figured out is, it was talking about Nero. 666 represents Nero. And I don't know how they got that formula. I don't know how they came up with that. But folks, you can make numbers do whatever you want. Okay? You can make numbers do whatever you want. And, you know, if I've just decided that Nero equals 666, well, then just using an algebraic equation, all you'd have to do is find whatever the, you know, Greek letters for Nero would be and then just assign different numbers to them that add up to 666. And then there you got it. The thing is, though, how do you know that's the formula they used back then? Truth is, you don't know that. You're just saying that. Because you know most people that read your book are going to be stupid and are just going to go along with it. You have a preconceived idea. That doesn't work. Okay? We can make anybody's name. If I get to invent the formula, I can make any of your names equal 666 and make you the Antichrist. But I don't get, I don't get to just make up the formula you know, to, to fit my agenda. That's not, how, that's not how these things work. But look what it says in verse... Uh, yeah, and the fire come down. You know, there's no evidence of that in history. So then he had power to give life unto the image of the beast. Verse 15, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So folks, right there, I can get... How the previous generation would look at that is like, how are you going to stop people from buying and selling unless they have a mark? Okay, I mean, if, if it's just a matter of handing out, you know, buying things with gold and silver or cash, I mean, why do you have to have the mark? Well, maybe because we're not going to be using cash. Because, I mean, honestly, if, if they just made a law right now that said, hey, y'all can't do business with anybody unless they have a mark on their head or forehead, and it's just like a tattoo or a brand or something like that, man, hey, if the guy's cash is good and nobody's looking, I'll still do business with the guy. You know, I'll still get the cash. But what if it is the implantable microchip that they actually put in the hand? You know, what if 
we get we go to a cashless society. You know, and is that not very possible today? Absolutely, it is possible today. They have the technology already for that. So, you know, if, if these things already came to pass, you know, back in 70 AD, then why is it that we see everything falling in place for it to actually happen as it is written in Revelation? You know why? Because it hasn't come to pass yet. That's, that's why. They, these are the things these people just completely ignore and need to address. There's a reason all these things are falling into place the way they are, because these prophecies have not been fulfilled. They're going to come to pass exactly as the Bible says. And so, while we may not exact, might, we might not be exactly right on what this will be right now. Because who knows? Technology is changing fast, folks. It might not be necessarily, it could be something else that we haven't even thought of yet. Yeah, but the thing is, one thing we do know right now, it's possible either way. Either way, it is very possible it would not be hard for them to implement something like this. So, these prophecies aren't difficult for us. Yeah, I can get up and I can literally say, I believe they're going to put a mark in our hand or in our forehead that will make it so we cannot buy or sell without that. And I don't sound like a crazy person, do I? But back in those days, they'd have been like, that's crazy. You know, that, that wouldn't work, but yeah, no, it would definitely work. We see that today. Previous generations, they'd had to come up with some spiritualized explanation of it. But we don't have to do that. Another thing, so, you know, while there are many things that we may still may not completely understand, the one thing is for certain is that everything is falling into place to come to pass exactly as he said. And so if we are wrong and all prophecy has already been fulfilled, then... Why are they gearing up for the one world government and the one world currency? You know, why is the United Nations working so hard to just bring all, all the nations together? I mean, what do they think is going on in this world right now? I'm, there, there is no doubt there is a major effort to unite all the nations. I mean, Europe is panicking just because of Brexit, just because you know, England's like, you know, we went out of the European Union. I think that's great. You know, I think nations need to become more independent. Isn't it interesting who the villains of the world today are? Guys like Putin. All right? Now, I understand Putin does not have American values. Okay, Putin is not like us. But you know what? Putin is very independent. He is a strong leader and believes in national sovereignty. And that's what they like over there in Russia, what he does. And our country can't stand it. You know why? Because our country is all about promoting the new world order. I say, you know what? Let them do what they want. Okay? And you know what? If they want to have you know, laws where they you know, let you beat up homos and things like that they do over there, I think they ought to let them do that. You know? uh, I think we ought to adopt some of those things. They, they, got, they got some stuff going in Russia that's better than us. You know, now, yeah, they're not real nice to Christians over there either. You know, it is a very dark place. I'm not saying they're a better country than the United States, but I am saying they are an independent country and they're doing what they want to do. And we ought to be for that. We ought to be for, you know, sovereign nations that are that are doing their own thing. And if we don't like what they're doing, we just don't go to those countries. But our world can't stand that. They want to just unite everybody. They want to bring everybody together. They all want us to be this one global community. And anybody that's outside that, they throw a huge hissy fit. And truth is, 
You know, and I don't know. I'm not real up to speed on all the world politics, and I don't understand everything about it. But I do think it's interesting, you know, the boogeyman that they pick out. You know, because, you know, all right, North Korea. All right, yeah, Kim Jong-un, I mean, yeah. You, a guy that looks like that, you want to go to war with him, right? But, but at the same time, you know, maybe, maybe he's just a pain in the neck because he doesn't want to go along with the global stuff. Maybe they just want to do their own thing in North Korea. You know, you know, if they want, all want to kill themselves and starve to death, you know, let them do it. You know, we all, why don't we just leave some of these countries alone? You know, yeah, Iran's throwing a big fit right now. But maybe it's because they're freaked out by being surrounded by American military bases. Okay? Now, I'm not justifying, you know, yeah, they have a horrible life over there. They have a horrible religion, but they all seem pretty happy with it. Whenever we go over and we overthrow these Muslim countries... So they can have democracy and be like Americans. What do they do when we give them an election? They vote in a dictator. That's what they want over there. And they do. They get real nervous when we start surrounding them and telling them what to do. And they throw a big fit about it. You know, I remember people like that. I remember watching all the World War II movies. And, you know, remember in the old World War II movies that I, I can't I'm, I can't even remember the name of the one. And I think it was it was about how it was in Poland. And there were all these people that were fighting the Nazis blowing things up. You know, today we call that terrorism. I call it people trying to protect their homeland and get rid of the enemy. You know, back then, we called those people heroes. We looked at those people as being brave. Why? Because they were fighting an enemy that was coming in on their territory. You know, when we go, and it's our country, and we go into other people's territory, and they fight back, we call them terrorists. I don't get it. It seems kind of hypocritical to me. I say we just leave these countries alone, but oh no, we can't do that. And why can't we do that? Why is it that Baptists want to go along and fight Muslims all the time? Because we got to protect Israel. We got we why? Okay, and here this is the thing too. All right, if all these things have come to pass, then why is Zionism on the rise like never before? I mean, most preterists would admit that you know the the fake Israel is it's Antichrist. They're, they're all against Zionism. A lot of these guys that are standing strong against Zionism, they think all these prophecies are being fulfilled. Well, then why is the devil working so hard to promote Zionism? Why is it that Zionism, I mean, has infiltrated Baptist churches? Baptists are promoting Zionism. Baptists are celebrating. I mean, they still celebrate 1948 Israel becoming a nation. That preacher I was just listening to today, he's talking about how great it was when Israel became a nation in 1948, how God did a miraculous thing in 1967 when they won that six-day war and they got Jerusalem. And he's talking about all these wonderful things God did. And I'm thinking, you're talking about the rise of the Antichrist system as though this is a wonderful thing that God did. Folks, that is insane that that type of thing is being preached in churches today. And yet people still want to have this attitude. Some of the people who preach against that have this attitude that, no, all this has already come to pass. Well, then why is it coming to pass more like the Bible says than it ever has? Because it didn't come to pass. We saw shadow fulfillments back in 70 AD, but we are seeing Zion. It is more powerful today than it has ever been. When in history has Israel ever had the kind of power that they have today? And it's never been that. It's never been the case. They've always been the enemy. They've always been scattered around. Everybody's always hated them wherever they went. They've always been persecuted. But now we're seeing them get a foothold finally. 
We're seeing them take hold of things. And it all started back in the Balfour Declaration. All these world wars we fight, it's always been about advancing Israel. It's always been about advancing Zionism. Why is that? Because that is the Antichrist system that is getting ready. You know why? Because prophecy has not been fulfilled yet. But we are seeing it come to pass. You know, what is this, uh, you know, what is this falling away thing? You know, you know. What, is, what are these things that would possibly deceive the very life? That's not hard for us to imagine. When we see how this Baptist, fundamental, King James, Solony Baptist, have just gone hook, line, and sinker for Zionism, why would we be surprised at them falling for anything? When they are praising the, the rising of an Antichrist system, and we're, going to be, we're surprised that there's going to be a falling away, I'm not surprised at all. I'm going to be surprised if some of these people don't take the mark of the beast. Especially if it's a Star of Rem fan. They love that thing so much. Man, stamp a Star of Rem fan right on my forehead. They love to do it. That's how, that's how twisted these people are. You know, why is ecumenicalism being pushed so hard if they're not preparing us for what we see in the book of Revelation? I mean, we've got that false prophet causing the whole world to worship the beast. You know, they're united. We see the uniting of religions. That has never happened in history. We see no examples of that in history that, that even come close. But yet, we see everything falling into place. We see the current pope that's there now that is, I mean, the most ecumenical pope that there has ever been by far. I mean, he's granting heaven to everybody except for people like us. And that's fine. I don't want to go to the same place that him and all his crowd's going to. Don't even try to take me with you because I, I don't want to go where you're going. No, the, I mean, the Pope, he's even letting homos into heaven anymore. I mean, he's, he's okayed everything. And yet you've got people that are sitting there and they're seeing all this stuff fall into place like never before. No, it's already been fulfilled. Well, then what is happening right now? What is that? Why is Satan working so hard to put in place exactly what we see in Revelation? Because it's not been fulfilled. This is, this is just common sense. You know, why is everything falling in place? It, so things can play out exactly as he said in Revelation. I'll tell you why. Because what we see in Revelation is what is going to happen. And you know, there might be things in here that we still look at, and there are some there are some things in Revelation that are still pretty tough, aren't there? I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know, we look at, and we like to think we've got all the answers in Revelation, but there is some stuff that has me scratching my head, and I, while I have an opinion on it, I could definitely be wrong. But maybe, maybe the problem is we're just, we still aren't seeing it because we're just not there yet. And you know, maybe 20 years from now, the next generation is going to be laughing you know, oh, uh, you know, them new eye of beers back in, you know, 2020, you know, how they were, they were all teaching this and teaching that. Well, you know, sorry, we have, didn't get to see what you all have seen. You know, you all are closer because we've all, you know, we've, we're all trying to make the rapture happen, you know, in the next few years, aren't we? Isn't that what we all do? We all try to make it fit that way, right? You know, the United States has to be Babylon because... We need there to be a Babylon right now, right? But what if it's just not around just yet? What if, and, you know, we, we might be getting laughed at about that 20, 30 years from now. It's very possible. I, I, you know, I don't know. But you can, 
isn't it easy to see how that's what the previous generations would have done? They never could have understood these things. So yes, you go read after the old timers. They're going to have a lot of stuff wrong. Don't follow them. We have a, it's going to be easier for us to see the truth as things get closer. And we are seeing as things get closer, everything fall in place exactly as the Bible says. So next time, if these people come along saying, oh, these things have already happened, say, if it came to pass, then why is it coming to pass? Does it look more like what we see in Revelation today than it did back then? looks a whole lot more like that today than it did back then. So we need to understand that when it comes to these things that not even Jesus knew the day or the hour during that time. But it's always been at hand. You know, things were, you know, ready to just fall into place to get things rolling. You know, that you know, I I believe, you know, God's been ready for it for a long time. But you know, it's it's one of those things, you know, only the Father knew that it would be 2,000 years in the future. You're not going to find anything in the Scriptures that gives an indication of when the rapture would come. If Jesus didn't know it, you better believe Robert Breaker's not going to figure it out. You can go read every Peter Ruckman book that there is, and you're not going to find out where Peter Ruckman just went wrong, and then you figure it out. No, you're just not going to figure it out. That's all there is to it. Only God knows, but we can see that, man, yep, just like he said, it's going to come to pass. So I hope that was a help. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. And Lord, I pray you'll help use this message to help us to just trust you, Lord. Help us not think that we have to help your prophecies come true, Lord. You you know what's going on and you've got a plan and help us to just uh, trust it. And if there's something we just don't understand, Lord, just help us to believe it anyway and not try to twist your word and mess with it. And I pray you'll... Help us to be better students of the Word of God for it. In your name we pray. Amen.